Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 118 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Dr. Pamela Gay. Pamela is an astronomer, writer, and science communicator focused on using new media to engage people in learning and doing science. Her most well-known project is Astronomy Cast, a podcast that she co-hosts with Fraser Kane. She's also part of numerous science programs on Twitch TV, and has made appearances on a variety of television shows, including The Universe and Strange Evidence. Dr. Gay also combines her astronomy and computer science background to define new approaches to astronomy that engage citizen scientists, and she leads a team chasing the holy grail of using machine learning to map other worlds. So Pamela, could you expound on that intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself? I really think that at the most fundamental level, I am someone who likes to play on the internet and likes astronomy and has spent my entire life finding ways to mix those two things and get other people playing with me. It sounds kind of cliche and silly, but I am pretty much that absolute oldest you can be and have used a computer your entire life. I learned to count so that I could find Pong on an Apple computer's cassette drive back when cassette drives were our memory devices. I learned to type the same time I was learning to write with crayons. And my whole life, I've been seeing cool, new, interesting ways to use the internet and stealing them ruthlessly in the pursuit of astronomy. And today, I get to work with other people from around the world doing the same thing. And we are getting people engaged in spacecraft data. We are getting people engaged in chatting on Discord while we map other worlds, not in a video game, but for real. And it's an amazing life that I'm lucky enough to get to live. Yeah, so be able to tie the two together in terms of your interest with astronomy and and technology. Is that something you you definitely aimed to do? Was that a particular desire? It was very much an accident. I started university at Michigan State in their international relations program, actually thinking I'd go into international science policy. I'd, I'd had so many people over the years tell me, oh, you're not the kind of person that can be an astrophysicist, by which they meant I was a girl. And <laughs> at, at a certain point, you listen too much and you believe this stuff. And I may be one of a very tiny niche of human beings who've gone from a humanities major to astrophysics, but I'd started out with that international science policy goal. I was taking the astronomy classes and I realized these are my people. And I had so many AP credits that it allowed me to take advanced courses and have extra slots in my schedule that normally you wouldn't get to have as, as a student. So I was like, I'll take a bunch of computer science classes. It meets a bunch of things for my degree. And 
it turned out that my brain just really liked software development. And this was back in the days before IT was a career path, when CS and CE were the directions you went in. And over the years, I've just kept playing in those two fields. And as a graduate student, it was how I could overcome deficiencies in math. I might not want to solve all the equations for something, but I sure as heck know how to program somebody else, or in this case, a software routine to solve things for me. I may not want to go out where it's cold and move the telescope around, but I know how to program the telescope to do my bidding. It's kind of the ultimate form of laziness. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's where I live. Right. It sounds like the the passions of both sort of complement each other and, and maybe fuel each other. Is that reasonably accurate summary? I'd go so far as to say that's an understatement. In, right. in astronomy, we have so much data, we have so much information, all of it is digital. And the only way to make sense of it is with software. And most astronomers struggle through self-teaching themselves programming, hiring an undergraduate who has more up-to-date skills than they do simply because the undergraduate has more recently taught themselves how to do it. And by taking the time to take the computer science classes, which I really enjoyed, it put me in a position of having that foundational knowledge of how different algorithms worked, of how does the underlying architecture fit in with the software I'm developing? And how do hardware, software, how does it all integrate to get to this end point I'm trying to get to? Some people are really good at chemistry. Some people are really good at maths. For me, it's software. And that meant that instead of having to self-teach, I took the classes and could continue learning in a way that just kind of felt like speaking a natural language instead of struggling in a second language. Pamela, can you perhaps share a career tip with the IT career energizer audience? One they may not know and perhaps should. Be extremely curious. And if you think you see a way to try something, and it's not going to cost anyone any money, just do it and see if it works instead of taking the time and asking permission because our field is evolving so fast that if you wait, you may not be the one who gets credit for that great new thing that you just figured out how to do. Okay. Can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Like so many of us, I work in an open office plan. We have two large spaces with a wall with a door between them. And really, the wall is the kind of wall you hear everything through. And this means that I've had to take the attack of when I'm interviewing someone, I'm going to interview them, well, in this open floor plan space with everyone around. And I know that's awkward. And I didn't really realize how awkward it could be until I was interviewing someone and I work in a super diverse environment with students from all over the world. So in the room at this moment, there were 
bunch of Americans, a colleague from Colombia, students from Nigeria, Moldova, Ukraine. And I'm interviewing this sweet young student for a student position. And I learned never do that because it was a moment of me awkwardly trying to figure out how to get out of, wow, these answers are bad and I want to die laughing and my entire staff is watching and I must keep it together. And this was a mistake. I should have, I don't know what I should have done, but interviews in an open floor plan is bad. And the reason this was bad was he actually had his worst IT career moment and he didn't know it (laughs) because when asked to explain what your future career goals are when interviewing for a position where machine learning will be your focus in an academic nonprofit environment, the answer should never be sales. Yep. When asked what are the important aspects of the job to you and you respond, world travel, I've already started. And someone asks, oh, I just got back from Israel. Uh, We do stuff like this all the time. Where have you been? And the answer is Denver. (laughs) (sighs) I wanted to die. He didn't know that I wanted to die on his behalf. He was happy. He moved on with life. I did not hire him. I actually didn't hire anyone for that position because I had the open floor plan office and decided I just didn't need to hire anyone that badly. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So moving away from your worst moment, can you maybe tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? I think my greatest success is is part of, of why I said that career tip that I said. We have always, as a group, been trying to find new ways to work collaboratively more effectively. And coming from an academic work environment, everyone is very much stuck in their ways where those ways might have originated a thousand years ago, because there are universities that old. Communications is one of those things where people are very much used to, you speak to people face to face, you all work in one place. If someone is not in the office, therefore they are not working. But I know that's not true because when I was in graduate school, I noticed that my office internet really was bad, but my home internet, which was a cable modem, I could actually get things done faster from home. So I started working from home because faster. And so I knew it was a lie. And I have been working ever since I started in academia to find out what are the best ways to interact with my team so that we could bring together the introverts who really don't want to be near another human being and will get a ton of stuff done as long as they don't have to see anyone face to face, to get the extroverts getting the communication times they need to be able to bring in volunteers. And we have throughout all the years that we've been working on my primary project, which is CosmoQuest.org, we have jumped from platform to platform as what works best changes. So we have gone from running all of our internal communications on Google Hangouts to running it on Slack to we actually realized all of our volunteers are on Discord. We're all personally on Discord And so now we're actually using Discord for our professional communications. 
And this realization that communications is best done in the places where people are most comfortable. When you take that work aspect to where they're most comfortable, they're suddenly more comfortable doing their work. If someone wants a gaming chair for their office desk, I'm good with that. I've bought gaming chairs for my software staff. If someone is most comfortable talking through text, awesome. If someone would rather open up a video call, cool, we'll do that. This has given me a more diverse workforce. Sure. I mean, yes, as, as you said towards the end, it's the, um, the ability to make sure that the communication suits the people involved. So it sounds like you'd use different, different tools and different approaches depending on the individuals involved. Yeah, e- exactly. And it doesn't seem like the thing that you need to worry about in IT. These soft skills are things that we just don't talk about enough. We talk about what is the software we use for mapping our architecture, what is the repository we use. But the soft skills are what keep good staff. And I want to keep my people. Training people is the hardest thing. Once you find someone, I will bend over backwards to make sure they're happy in their job so they stay. So Pamela, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? For me, it's the future of augmented reality. The the ability to go from having to find a keyboard and my monitor when I want to look at something big and interact with it to someday being able to, I mean, Google Glass was a terrible failure, but it, in terms of the way it interacted with your body, that idea of having something small on my head that changes my perception of reality. I want to be able to flick something on my watch and that blank spot on the wall becomes the equivalent of my giant 4K monitor. And I'm typing on a virtual screen instead of having to walk up two flights of stairs from doing the laundry. I think that we're going to be able to begin to blur the lines of workspace, personal space, which is terrible, but at the same time, be able to find more comfortable ways to work, more fluid ways to interact that allow us to be more effective in everything we do. Sure. I mean, you mentioned augmented reality and, and Google Glass in particular. I, I do wonder if Google Glass just was a little bit early um, in terms of what, what potentially it can be used for uh, going forward. It, it was definitely something that that was too early. We hadn't worked out a lot of the privacy concerns. It got to the point where I, I was one of the early adopters who, who got it during their initial small number of humans get glasses, period. And the number of people who who were like, don't come near me with that, please take that off, because they were so worried of having essentially their day-to-day life invaded. We need to find a way to have that augmented reality where people aren't afraid that you're streaming everything, but rather superimposing on everything. Google Glass, unfortunately, because of its picture-taking abilities, its streaming abilities, its link-in to Google Hangouts, all those privacy concerns were an issue. And what it was good for didn't overcome that. It, it had a little tiny screen. It didn't allow you to effectively read an entire tweet readily. 
if you can't read a tweet, my watch is already doing a better job. It needs to be more effective at helping me out than my watch and not cause people to run from me in fear when I walk down the street wearing it. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Okay, we're going to move into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? It was mostly a, this is a great way to interact with other humans doing astronomy. My first ever web page when I was, I think I was probably still 19, was one that was nothing more than a collection of all of the astronomy and physics jokes that anyone had ever emailed me back in the days of email forwards. And from there, it became a matter of, okay, so now I can get involved in using Amazon Web Services to store all of these spacecraft images and feed them out to people all around the world who are bored on their sofa and just want to help that little rover do that next awesome thing it's going to do. We're, we're today writing software that is going to allow the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft find a rock on an asteroid and bring it back to the planet Earth. And this is the culmination of figuring out how to develop APIs, how to spin everything up in a robust way on Amazon Web Services, how to communicate everything out using Twitch to do real-time, essentially, updates to the tutorials people have already taken because our understanding of the universe has changed. It's this ability to constantly take advantage of something new to Well, when you're an astronomer, people respond in one of two ways. Either look at their shoes and go, what is that? Or they look at you and go, oh, my God, that's so cool. Tell me everything. And this is my way to tell everyone everything. Okay. What is the best career advice you've ever received? I was up at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana for a conference on women in physics that was a bunch of us older women basically giving advice to all the undergraduates continuing their education and planning to go to graduate school and beyond. And I was talking to one of the most senior women there, and she's like, Keep your friends close, keep your women friends closest. And and there's, no matter who you are, there's going to be those people that are like you and have the same struggles. Either they're the other person in the workplace on an H-1B visa, they're the other person in the workplace that has the Greek mom who's constantly on them about when are grandchildren coming. There's, there's always that person who's like you and understands what you're going through day to day. And work-life balance means trying to figure out how to work this career where the expectation is that we're on 24-7, that the server goes down and we're there crawling out of bed to figure out what the heck happened or at least kick it and reboot it and pray that it spins back up. It's a hard job. To have that work-life balance, we need mentors. And we need those people that we keep close that help us figure out how to find that work-life balance. Pamela, if you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I don't know. 
my favorite thing is to figure out what is the newest thing on the block and figure out how to use it. I think if I had to start all over right now, I'd, I'd sit down with people who had like defined the field of machine learning and instead of doing the thing I hate, which is fully learning something from scratch on my own, I'd sit there and learn from the people who figured it out before me how to make computer vision work, how to get algorithms to solve video games. I, I love the potential of machine learning and I'm starting to figure it out, but the things that are already being done are amazing and that is definitely a direction I'd focus in. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Right now, I'm trying to learn how to be a better manager in terms of not being the sticking point when people need to get stuff done. There's lots of times that the checks and balances that we have to make sure that we don't do anything that takes down an infrastructure that takes down a system. We have to have the senior people that check on things. And then, of course, there's always that one person who controls the credit card. And I'm a new enough manager that I still find myself too often that person that is causing somebody else to twiddle their thumbs and learning how to empower other people and how to not get focused on sometimes I just want to code something. I just want to code something. And that's somebody else's job. I need to learn what my job is. And that sometimes that means I don't get to do the things I enjoy. And because I'm doing the things I'm supposed to, nobody gets stuck and everyone has a better experience. Soft skills. Indeed. Yes. I'm probably <laughs> leading on to the next question as well. So What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Knowing how to write in a way that people want to keep reading what I write most of the time. There's, there's always going to be that document that nobody wants to read and you have to write and you know no one's going to want to read and you don't even want to read it. But in general, if you're describing your project to other people, they should read your white paper and be excited and want to see that thing happen at the end. They, they should believe this is awesome and must be a thing in their lives. And learning how to share enthusiasm. If we can make other people excited about the thing we are excited about, it makes everything easier because they want us to succeed. Yep, indeed. Pamela, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Be true to yourself when you're communicating. If you're a nerd, let your nerd flag fly. That's going to allow you to find all the other people like you and open doors in strange ways because there have been so many times when I have been just geeking out about Battlestar Galactica and has opened my door to find other programmers that have led to speaking engagements. You never know what connections are going to be. And if all you ever talk about on your social media platforms is, well, we developed this thing for Amazon Web Services and we've learned that if you use CloudFront for this thing, yada, yada, yada. If you only focus on 
maintaining a professional persona that is strictly focused on that one IT thing you do, you're only going to talk to other IT people in your one narrow area. By being a whole person, by talking about whatever thing it is that is your geek, you're going to open yourself to new audiences and new opportunities. Yeah, very true. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Well, I, as a person, am Star Strider with a Y because when mistakes were made in my 20s, so S-T-A-R-S-T-R-Y-D-E-R on pretty much every single platform. Uh, professionally, I am the director of CosmoQuest X, where the X marks the science. So check it out. Pamela, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.